Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, obesity, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. We all want to be healthy. We want to enjoy foods that we love, but also choose the right foods for health and for our bodies. And this can really be a challenge. Many of us have baggage from past diets, meal plans, quick fixes. And also we carry around this ideal size that we were at one point in the past. And that's kind of that glory day that we're always searching for over and over again. I know personally, I've undergone many weight loss journeys and am now trying to find peace with food and find health at every size. I don't want eating, which is a part of human survival, to be a stressor and to take up such a large amount of energy and brain power in my life. I want food freedom. That's why I'm excited to speak to this week's guest, Melissa Rolfs. Melissa is a holistic health and life coach and founder of Free to Be Coaching. She focuses on food freedom and helping women break free from sugar and stress eating. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation this week with Melissa. Welcome, Melissa, to the podcast. I'm so happy to connect with you today, Melissa. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. So why don't we start with you providing a little bit about your background and how you got into coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am a holistic health and life coach, and I really specialize in helping women break free from sugar and emotional eating because that was my struggle. I started in childhood. I remember being eight years old and hiding Pop-Tarts and candy and lots of sugary foods in my room. And um, I got pulled on because we had little furry friends that pooped on my bed. So they kind (laughs) of ratted me out. (laughs) But that pattern continued through, you know, adolescence, through high school, through college, into marriage, motherhood, and it really kind of, you know, hit the ground after our son was born. So I had a newborn baby who wasn't sleeping. I had a two-year-old daughter who had some sensory challenges and some food allergies we weren't aware of, a husband was traveling quite a bit for work, and I was newly diagnosed with PTSD from childhood. So that kind of led me to pursue um, holistic healing. I went to a naturopath and really learned about supplementation and holistic care. And because of my journey, I really felt called to pay it forward and help other women who are where I was, because I know the struggle we have as women and moms and really trying to care for ourselves while we're doing everything else. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, I've had similar struggles myself. And honestly, it it kind of always seems to be around, especially the pandemic. I think a lot of people have been struggling with, um, you know, food as a comfort, as all of those things. So why did you decide to focus on helping and sort of reaching out more to women in particular in your coaching business? Just because I am a woman, I have no idea what it's like to be a man, and I don't really want to try to guess. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, yeah, exactly what I was thinking. It just, and and when you talk about sort of your personal struggle, it kind of makes sense, right, that you're, you're looking at it through that lens. So why is it so hard to find food freedom? Like, what are the things that really come into play for people as they're trying to work through some of these issues? 
I love this question, Sarah. I think it's hard because I think we are bombarded with messaging and plans and ways to do the next best thing. And I think Mm -hmm. we're not really taught how to slow down and listen to ourselves and what our bodies need. We're so busy trying to focus on the myriad of methods that are marketed towards us. And I think learning to step back and get quiet and understand you and your unique body type, that's a game changer, but we're not taught that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, And it is really hard. I mean, even when you think, okay, I'm on a good path, you just, you go on Instagram, you go on any social media, you even just Mm -hmm. talk to family or friends and somebody's got, you know, a new diet, a new plan, a new Mm -hmm. thing that they think is great. And so you're right. It's really hard for, for people to kind of feel like they can do what is right for their body. Absolutely. And I think too, if I could piggyback off of that, when, you know, someone is trying something that's a little bit outside of the norm. I have friends who they had some health issues and so they changed their diet and there was almost some shame or um, m- being made fun of because they were eating differently. And it's it's just so interesting the way it kind of morphs and fits into society or doesn't fit in and the way that people can respond in response to that. Absolutely. My family, well, I have a daughter with um, food allergies and then my mm-hmm. son and I are both gluten and dairy free for health reasons. Mm-hmm. And same thing, like um, it can be very difficult for people to understand. I mean, we still get the comments of, oh my gosh, what do you eat then? Like what is yes. left? And, and it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, that's partly why on Instagram I do tend to post a lot of, you know, our delicious food and stuff like that, because just there is a stigma there when somebody yes. goes goes their own way for sure. And so I know you've talked about focusing on kind of stress eating and sugar. So why is it so important to kick sugar in particular? Well, sugar is, I think it's the most accessible legal drug in our society. It's eight times more addictive than cocaine. And when we get it, it rewards the dopamine centers in our brain. And so that means we just keep needing to have more and more to release that feel good feeling in our brains and it's addictive. And so it kind of creates this vicious cycle and not to mention, obviously it's related to weight, but beyond that, there's a myriad of health issues that it contributes to. It's bad for your teeth. It's bad for your liver. It's bad for your organs. It suppresses your immune system. It is really, really, really detrimental to our health. And yet it's thrown out legally at parades and at schools and churches. And it just seems to be everywhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And even when the pandemic hit, I know there was so much about like, the best way to protect yourself is sort of being as healthy as you can. And yet everyone was like baking and making all of these sugary treats. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) yeah, exactly, exactly. So it is that that piece out there. And, and so what are some of the tools that you use to help clients in terms of either, you know, kicking sugar or finding that food freedom piece that I think so many of us are looking for? I think the biggest thing, Sarah, is to really get to the why behind the why. So if we look at anybody's relationship with food and why they tend towards something, we can probably more than likely pick up on something from childhood. So I shared about me, you know, hoarding the sweets in my room. I worked with a woman once who hated cheese and crackers, but when she was stressed and overwhelmed, that was what she would crave. and That's what she would go for. 
So with us working together and kind of asking her those questions, she was able to identify that cheese and crackers had a really happy time in her childhood. Her family was together. They would be gathering with neighbors and it was just really this wonderful time for her. And so when she wasn't experiencing that in her daily life as an adult, she found herself looking for that feeling represented in the cheese and crackers. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, so common. I talked to another woman the other day and she was like, oh, I'm not feeling well. So I'm going to eat this because this is what my mom made for me as a child when I didn't feel well. Yeah, no. And I was just going to say, and I'm sure that is the draw to some of the sugary treats as well. Like it, like you said, comfort, um, you know, you can all think of a favorite birthday cake or something like that, right? That has always mm-hmm. been or a dessert that your parents made or um, something that's comforting. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, before I I had this transformation, um, we trained our kids with candy, you know, potty training, like, oh, well, if you go, you can have, you know, a Skittle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? (laughs) Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've heard use M&Ms or things like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, and I think to some degree, it's such a, it's such a challenging thing because we don't want to take away that celebration piece that we feel from food, right? And I mean, I I totally agree. I had a big family, extended family growing up. We would have these like giant family reunions in the summertime. And oh my God, the food was just insane. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of a thing that people come together with. And so I can see that that is a hard thing to parse out sort of that good feeling from, you know, is it good for you on a regular basis? And, and is it helpful, I guess? Absolutely. And I love, like, I don't believe in deprivation and I don't believe in not eating any sugar at all. Um, But it's more about let's find an upgrade for you. Let's find what you love and let's find like the healthiest version possible Mm -hmm. so that when you do want it, you can have it and you know that you're not going to feel like crud the next day or a few Mm -hmm. hours later. Yeah. And and I can totally say that is, you know, when I do have the pure sugar, because same, I do indulge, I like, I can feel it in my joints the next day. Like I just, I feel very unwell and I think, oh, I shouldn't have had those marshmallows or whatever it was. That tends to be my um, thing that it's really hard for me to to give up is marshmallows, which is like, Mm -hmm. I swear, it's something that a six-year-old likes. Yeah. But so, you know, kind of what would be your upgrades? Like, do you look more towards, um, you know, like a monk fruit sweetener or maybe a maple syrup or honey, or is it some of the other sugar-free products? No, it's exactly what you mentioned. The monk fruit I love, stevia I love, um, maple syrup, honey, just kind of figuring out what works for you and your body type and how your body responds. Yeah. Just as swapping that out instead of like the plain white sugar Absolutely. And for baking, coconut sugar is great because it's low glycemic. So it's not going to make you ride that blood sugar roller coaster. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. Even some fruit. I mean, I've often made things like a banana bread where Mm -hmm. you just throw in an extra banana and then it kind of takes the place of the sugar. There's so much fruit sugar in there. Absolutely. And I've been known to like half the recipe with the amount of sugar because we really Mm -hmm. don't need as much as they say that we do. (laughs) Yeah. I always find that when it's like a recipe, like I said, like a banana bread or cake, something like that. And they, they'll say like even cookies, you know, Mm -hmm. half a cup of white sugar, half a cup of brown. And I'm thinking, I don't really think we need that much. Like I'll throw in maybe one sugar and then a bit of honey or, you know, some play with it that way. Add a girl. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, no, and you're right. It often tastes great without it and it's fine. Um, so I guess another thing I wanted to kind of touch on was there's been a lot of a movement that I've been kind of leaning into on health at every size and intuitive eating, um, you know, health at every size kind of focusing on no matter where you are in your health journey, um, just being the best that you can, doing the best that you can, being as healthy as you can be. Um, and of course, intuitive eating more focused on kind of what you've talked about, like what are the needs of your body, kind of what, um, like when are you actually hungry instead of kind of getting on these really rigid plans um, that were often kind of force fed through media, I guess. Is this kind of something that you're drawing on in your coaching or something that you've been been working through? Absolutely. I'm a big proponent of teaching women how to listen to their bodies and honor their hunger and fullness. I think a lot of times we're conditioned or taught that, well, we have to eat lunch at noon. Well, if you're hungry before noon, it's perfectly okay to honor that hunger and eat lunch when your body tells you it's hungry instead of when we've been conditioned to believe that we need to eat because it's a certain time. Right. Yeah. And I find that especially days when I work out in the morning that then mm -hmm. I am hungrier earlier and it's just like, oh, I'm not going to be able to wait. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, absolutely. But, and, and fasting, like, I mean, there's been such a promotion of fasting, different types of fasting. Um, but that, you know, really challenges your hunger cues as well, because yes. you're sort of, fo you're trying to almost trick your body, you know, have coffee or something that like allows you to wait on food. And so that's kind of counter um, to Intuitive. something like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. And again, it, it's not, I know some people do it well for various reasons, but there's a lot of people that shouldn't be fasting that do, for example, if you um, have some blood sugar challenges, it's not great for that. There's a lot of things, you know, if you have disordered eating, I feel like it can really kind of set you up to be back in that position. So mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of it and I'm probably going to be booed for that, but it's more about really honoring and respecting your body and what it needs. No, I, I agree. I mean, I've been, I have tried it. I've done a whole bunch of different ones I was doing where, you know, like two days a week sort of spread out. It was fast throughout the day and then only um, kind of having a smoothie midday. And I mean, in terms of weight control, it helped, but you're right. I found for me, and I think it's my history with, um, you know, having kind of an eating disorder or disordered eating, however you want to say it, that I started to get into almost like that binge cycle again, yep. where then it would be like, I'd come off the fast and be like, yep. well, it doesn't matter because I fasted all day yesterday. Yep. So, you know, I can eat this or that as compared to kind of, I think for me, those small meals throughout the day yes. tends to be, um, and maybe that's blood sugar wise as well, but just yep. tends to be a, a more sustainable type of eating for myself. And I feel satisfied and I feel like um, it's not this deprivation thing, I guess. Absolutely. Because I don't know, know about you, Sarah, but when I deprive, that's when I would binge because yeah. I'm yeah. hungry, I'm famished, and then it's you know, all out, I'll eat anything in sight because my body was depleted and it needed what it wasn't getting. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, that's what I found. And and I think there are benefits. I mean, a lot of people talk mm -hmm. about mental clarity. Like I can see that, you know, and, and also even lifestyle-wise, like you're not having to prepare whatever that meal would have been, you know, a little bit more time. But I just found in the long term, 
uh, it just it wasn't something that I could keep doing, and and I felt cranky, and I you know <laughs> all of those things. So um, it is a challenge then moving from that though, because the moment yeah. you start to pick up those meals again, it's like there is a weight gain, and so you've got to really um, watch that. I think for sure, but. Um, yeah, I I'm not a huge fan and and again, I know I know it works for some people. I know it does. Absolutely. But we're all different and I love your, you know, perspective, Sarah, that you know, this isn't great for the long term and I think that's maybe sometimes where we we get caught up is that we don't think in terms of long term and health and sustainability and lifestyle and we think about that immediate result. And so we'll do something to get that immediate result, but then we realize we just can't keep up with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You could do it maybe like, oh, until your vacation or yes. I'm going to do this like until my work trip or something that you want to um, be focusing on. But yeah, just then then you can't kind of do it long term for sure. So that's great. I think those are really good points um, in terms of just overall longevity and health. So why don't we get into a little bit more of the tools? I know we talked about kind of peeling back layers and understanding where people are at, but through your business, what are the different like programs or tools or, you know, um, offerings that you have in order to guide people? Because it is a really challenging, challenging thing to do. It is. It is. And I think that's just the beautiful part of coaching is that we get to come alongside people and really help them figure out what's inside of them and what they need. It's not, I think a lot of times people think, oh, coaching, they're going to give me a meal plan. They're going to tell me what to do. They're going to tell me to work out. And really that's not it at all. It's more of, you know, asking people some hard questions around topics like honoring your hunger and fullness and listening to your body and, Sometimes there's even some woundology that we have to go through because sometimes we're eating out of hurt. That's what I did. I was eating to try to stuff pain. Um, and so really kind of getting to the bottom of that to figure out why are we doing these things that aren't in alignment with where we want to go or how we want to feel, but yet we keep doing them. And so I think that's just the beautiful part is we come alongside and ask questions and really help people learn to listen and trust themselves and their bodies. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And and same, I mean, you know, stress eating has always been a thing for me. Um, and it, it is a challenge for especially with the pandemic happening. A lot of I think people it just was like, okay, this is one thing that we can still do. <laughs> um, wow. And you're right, it is one of those legal things as well, right? Where it's like, okay, well, you know, you can still have a treat and, and it's fine. But um, it does kind of wreak havoc um, in a lot of areas for sure. And so do you kind of do virtual coaching? Like, are you calls or do you offer like um, kind of programs or a, a community? What's What is sort of your approach that you use? Yeah, I kind of have all of that. I really try to meet people where they're at and what they can afford in terms of time and finances. So I do have some online courses. I do have um, group coaching and then I have private one-on-one coaching for people who just want that personalized touch and want to go deeper. And that's usually done via phone. Um, Zoom, I'm totally down with, but I think a lot of people just prefer to do it over the phone because it's kind of a personal thing to talk about emotional eating and sugar. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of feedback have attached with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure, um, you know, even if somebody is seeing like a therapist and things like that, there's still this kind of 
complementary piece of, you know, the therapist, you may start to uncover some of these issues, but then getting sort of that one-on-one coaching about how to practically move through it um, when it's focused on, say, food, uh, I think would be really helpful. Absolutely. And coaching and therapy really complement each other well. I always say that therapy is really about looking at the past and some hurts and maybe some trauma, some things that have happened and working through them, whereas coaching is looking at where you are now and where you want to be going forward. And because of my journey, I'm a big proponent that you have to heal the past in order to go forward. Um, So I love when people have either done therapy or they're in therapy and then coaching comes alongside and it's just a beautiful match. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I know you're focused a lot on the food freedom piece. Do you also then get into um, exercise or is fitness kind of a totally separate piece for you? We talk about movement and really like movement that you enjoy doing and right. will keep doing because I find that when people view exercise as a punishment or a negative they're not motivated to do it and we really just want you to move in the way that your body wants you to move <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. it's a piece but we focus more on the mindset more on the relationship with food and the body but movement is a piece for sure yeah, that makes sense. And and it's so essential for our mental health that I can see that that mm-hmm. would really help people in dealing with that stress piece, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, being able to add in the movement. And you're right. I mean, I, so many people focus on doing the thing they hate. Like it's like, uh-huh. well, I know that hit is like the best thing. So I'm just going to make myself keep doing hit over and over again. And it's like, uh-huh. well, if you don't like it or running, right? Like if you don't yes. like it at all, like why yes. are you, <laughs> why, why are, are you spending time? Yeah, no, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I like that you're kind of helping people though, to pull it apart and make it be in a positive way, because I find there is a lot of, and I think it comes from some of the, you know, diets out there, like Weight Watchers, where you get points given back to you or something like that, if you do the movement. And I think that really messes people up in terms of saying like, well, I have to do this exercise so that I can eat X, or I need to bank these fitness points because I have, you know, a social gathering tomorrow night, and I know I'm going to have something that's more of a treat. And, And I think it just does really create this crazy scale and people can't see movement for all of the positive things that it gives us right like um you know I do I do run and I find like you know that high you get after a run is just amazing or you know there's definitely benefits like things like yoga in terms of stress or just a walk outside like there's so many different different things and I yeah I found in myself I've had to kind of pull those two apart and say no like it doesn't matter what you ate today it doesn't matter you know but you want to move and so do that and don't worry about the other thing right now (laughs) absolutely and that's so beautiful because I was kind of similar Sarah I used to be like oh well I ate you know half a you know tub of ice cream so now I need to go work it off and it's like yeah (laughs) yeah that's not it's the like intent. Punishment. Exactly. Or I've heard so many people like, oh, I got on the treadmill this morning because I was out the night before and had uh-huh. these things. And yeah, yeah. I think that really sets you up for kind of a, a really strained relationship with getting any exercise at all. 
Absolutely. And food, because then you're viewing it in terms of good and bad. And you have like this, you know, consequence you have to pay because you did something that you shouldn't have done in air mm-hmm. quotes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I like that. I think this is a really positive way of um, looking at things and really the way that we should all be viewing it, except we've been bombarded with so many other thoughts about how we should look and um, what what way we should eat and how we should kind of live. So and are there in the process we do ourselves a disservice, you know, because we're trying to measure up to what everybody else thinks instead of really being our authentic selves. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, taken, taken a while to get here, but. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here. <laughs> but we're here. We're here. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any great um, books or things that have really inspired you or, um, you know, different media podcasts, things like that, that you've found really helpful on your journey? Gosh, I'm a or big reader were- for all of, all of yeah. my, my books, Sarah, are about business or nutrition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, that I makes think sense. it's just the mindset is so important. And I feel like that's really what's missing with so many programs is we, we, it's like you have a target, but you keep missing it because you're not focused on the right thing. And really until you get your mindset right, because where the mind goes, the man follows, you're just, you're, it's almost like you're going to continually be on that hamster wheel of frustration. Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I guess, are there any other tools or advice you kind of want to give to listeners before we wrap up? Yeah, I guess I would just want people to know that you can be free and freedom is absolutely possible. Um, And I think the biggest thing for me on my freedom journey, Sarah, has been to replace judgment with curiosity because it's so easy to be hard on ourselves and we judge ourselves and we do the shame cycle or the guilt cycle and then we fall into the all or nothing thinking But if we can pause and just say, why did I do that? What was I looking for in that moment? That's really powerful because then we can kind of start to become aware and discover maybe some reasons why we're doing things that we weren't even aware of. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Replacing judgment with curiosity. I like it. And it transfers to so many areas of life too. (laughs) Yeah. No, I did. And I think that goes along with your mindset piece, right? Sort of that Mm -hmm. growth mindset, not just getting stuck in in that closed mindset piece. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. So I'm sure listeners are going to want to find out more about you. So how can they find out more either on social, online, um, wherever you've got, got your offerings? Yeah, my website is www.free, the number two, the letter B, coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com. And I'm on Facebook as Happy Healthy Mama. Perfect. All right. I will link that up into the show notes as well so that uh, people can click on those. But thank you so much, Melissa. I think this has been really enlightening. I think it'll give people kind of another way to look at things, especially as we head into summer where everyone's like, oh, I got to get, you know, on to the next weight loss plan. Right. And and maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe not. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Maybe pause and, you know, think about it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It was awesome to connect. I want to thank Melissa Rolfe's holistic 
health and life coach and founder of Free To Be Coaching for her time this week. I think that was a great conversation about really trying to find that freedom and no longer focusing on weight and size and moving towards eating for health, eating intuitively, and meeting our body's needs. Hopefully you gained some tips out of that. And if you are interested in finding out more from Melissa, please visit her website that she mentioned, www.freetobecoaching.com, or find her on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks for listening. I am creating an email list community under the name Real Life Project Co., which is my company name. And with this email list, I'm going to be communicating all about what's going on with the podcast, how things are going in terms of my writing career, and any special events or offers that are coming up, including our current offer, which is a free self-care 30-day calendar that gives you tons of ideas for self-care, to challenge yourself to keep looking after yourself for a whole month straight. If you want to join my email community, please go to my Instagram page at Sarah Lady Gluten and click on the link in the bio, which goes to the Real Life Project Co. webpage. And there you'll have the opportunity to sign up to be part of this community. I've been sending emails just about every week, giving updates on how things are going and where the podcast is at. And I hope that you'll join this community and find connection with me there. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you are looking for that advice, please seek that out from a professional. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can visit my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com or follow me online at Sarah Lady Gluten on Instagram, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N, or the Facebook page, Sarah-LadyGluten. If you do like the podcast, please consider subscribing so that you will get the podcast update every week and or reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks again and have a great week. I wrote a book, and I am so excited to share it with all of you. Pendulum by Essie German is now available. The story follows a young boy named Ben as he changes from a silly, energetic, happy little guy to a boy that is anxious, obsessive, emotional, angry, and depressed. After visiting 20 doctors and getting seven misdiagnoses, his mental health declining even further He's finally diagnosed with PANDAS, a neuroimmune disorder. PANDAS stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcal Infections. It's a little-known and understood disorder without a cure. At eight years old, Ben and his family move to a new city to start a new life. He gains confidence, navigates his first crush, and plays competitive sports. Ben encounters many challenges in a new school while also coping with his mental health issues and trying to understand and accept himself and his disorder. Ben shares how he handles all the trials of being a middle grader and having pandas and his unique outlook on both the disorder and his life. 
Pendulum is available at Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, and also through the Friesen Press Bookstore. It can be found in hardcover, paperback, and the ebook. I hope you will check it out soon.